So we are continuing the series, again, that we've started several weeks ago now. We are in week five on Fruits of the Spirit. Um, we're studying Galatians 5, and, and again, we've been going our, working our way through the, the list of these character traits, these attributes of God that we see are being made into each of us. And as we continue down this transformational journey, as we, as we seek how to do life according to the Holy Spirit. And our base text, foundation text for this series is in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 26. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to the Galatians 5. Um, and as we uh, want to read this passage again, I know, again, if you've been with us through this series, this passage should be very familiar by now, but that's honestly the point. So here we are, Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Where it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. As we look at this passage again, it, it contrasts, right, living by the Spirit versus living by our sinful nature. I think as we see that is the foundation of our faith, right, of, of, of the gospel, is that we, we live life by the Spirit, and we do that, we start that journey by receiving Christ as our Savior. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, and into our hearts, and then we begin this journey, this process, right, of being transformed by that spirit and becoming more like Christ every day. And Paul literally lists out the different fruits for us, right, the good ones and the bad. Right, as you see these different fruits and play out in our lives, again, the, again he, as he says, right, in the passage, those who have received the spirit, right, they nail those, those passions to the cross and give them up to Christ. Right, and as the more that we nail on the cross and the more that we're transforming God's spirit, the more that this second list starts to come out. Right, and the second list, again, is not, it's not actions, right? It, they're character traits. And they're character traits of God himself. And, but again, that's the goal of our faith, right? Is to become more like Christ every day. And we see in Galatians 5.25, our theme verse for this series, since we are living by the spirit, let us, Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, the assumption in this verse is that you are 
a believer of Christ, that you've received him as your savior, that you've joined the journey of faith. And then once you have that spirit, right, then we, we follow the spirit's leading in, in every part of our life, every decision, every, every action, right? And we see God's presence, and again, this, this fruit come out in our character, which also affects our actions. We've been working our way through the list, right, as we've been looking at the biblical picture of each different one. And Pastor Brian uh, Madrid started you with the first week with love, and then we talked the next week of joy and peace as we've looked at how those were connected. We looked at patience. Last week, kindness and goodness, right, which we talked about is connected to benevolence. And now we move to this next one in the list, and this one is, is one that, um, that is so incredibly foundational. I think as we see that, right, it's, it's the fruit of faithfulness. Now, as, as we look at, at this word, again, as I've studied this one a lot this week, I, I think to, to see, I was, um, you know, it's a little, actually a little bit surprising, even when you look at the list and look at the Greek word that is used here. Okay, because again, even though it's translated as faithfulness, and that's what the NLT translated as, um, the reality is that there is no Greek word for faithfulness. In fact, faithfulness is never used in the New Testament in the Greek language. Now, it is used in the Old Testament. There's a Hebrew word for it. And in fact, most times when it's used in the Old Testament, it describes God, right? God is faithful. He is faithfulness, right? the action of being faithful. But the word that's actually used here, again, is the word for faith. It's the same word that's used hundreds of times in the New Testament. Is the Greek word of pistis, okay, which the direct definition is one of just faith. And, and, and yet, it's a very complicated definition, actually, when you start to really dig into the definition of faith in the Greek language. Hey, there, here's some of the ways that we, that we try to define that word, right? Uh, of, of assurance, right? To believe and to trust. Credence, right, to have confidence and authority. Fidelity, to be, to be reliable. It, there's a reliance, a consistency, a, a, a faith, right? A, I mean, it, it, it's not just belief. It's, it's not just actions. It's not just the character trait. It is, it is incredibly foundational to, well, life itself as we're breathed in. God's spirit. It's God's the author of life, right? It's faith. I mean, and, and even as we think about even just our own church, right? I mean, look at, again, the name, right? Faith, it's the first word in the name of our church, and that's not by accident, by the way, because it's that foundational. In fact, when we think about the gospel message, we think about, uh, um, you know, where, where we're at, right? There, um, the, it is at the very core. But as we look at this verse, again, if you look back at the King James, it literally, it doesn't translate it as faithfulness. It translates it as faith. I mean, that's the Greek word that's used. Like I said, this, this word, it's the same word that's used over 200 times in the New Testament. Faithfulness, like I said, as I mentioned, is not used actually at all in the New Testament. It is used in the, in the Old Testament Hebrew. Now, there is a second form of this word um, that's not used in Galatians 
um, five, but but it, we do see it in in the New Testament, and it's the word pistos, and that is faithful. Okay, now we we see again this word, the Hebrew, um, you know, equivalent of faithful again is used a lot in the New Testament, especially to describe God. And in fact, this word faithful is actually used several times by Jesus in Greek. Right, and this is the, the, again, faithful of being trustworthy, of being sure, of being true, right? That it's faithful. But again, it's, it's, a, it's a form of the word faith. As, as we see, again, the kind of what I believe is the biblical definition of faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for and is the evidence of things we cannot see. Again, the, the reality of what we hope for. Well, what do we hope for? <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably not a short list, is it? It's, it's the evidence, right, of what we can't see. Obviously, when we talk about God and even faith, right, as, as, as our faith is, you know, we don't see God. It's, it's something that, that's kind of beyond even just our physical grasp in some ways. As, as we see, you know, thinking about, again, the reality of what we hope for. Well, we hope, honestly, like we, we hope for a relationship with our creator. And that's what we were made for. Right? And without that, right, we are not whole. <laughs> right? And we hope for to be made whole, right? To be to healed of what's pulled away. Of, right? Of, it's the reality of it, right, is our faith. Right? Of, that there is a God, right? And that I need him. I mean, ultimately, that's at the very core of who we are. And then we take, again, this idea of, of you know, faith, right? This, this incredibly complicated word and concept. And, and then we apply it. Right? And again, the most foundational verse, probably, of, of our faith. Right? Is our salvation. How do, how do we have that relationship with God, right? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so no one can boast. Again, we are saved by grace through faith. Right? As we look at these incredibly foundational you know, verses, right, about faith, and we see how, how important faith is in our lives, and, and we certainly understand why it's on the list, right, of fruits of the Spirit. And yet we sit down and be like, but how do I, again, do I even grasp, right, what this is telling me, like how, if it starts with faith and it ends with faith, like, what do, what do we, how do we unpack, right, this incredible, complicated and complex concept. Well, like I said, it's used a lot in the New Testament, and I think it really kind of sheds a lot of light, right? We're going to start just with the first thing that we learn about faith, right, in God's Word, is, is that faith is more than knowledge. Faith is, is it's more than just knowledge. 
As we, we think about, um, again, what do we know about God, right? What, the knowledge about who God is. What do we know about God? Well, you know, many people know that God is the authority, right? That he's the judge, right? That he's, the, he's on top of everything, right? He's the alpha and omega, right? We, we learn that. And yet, if, if that, again, that knowledge, just that knowledge, right, um, play that out, then that's, you know, we see then God is just a, a spiteful God waiting to take us out, right? If that's where we stop, if we stop at that knowledge. Yeah, also, a lot of people understand or know that God is love. Right now, I get both of these things are absolutely true, right? But if you just stop with God is love, right, then it, again, it, it, it if we just stop with that knowledge, right, then we can get to where, yeah, just like God loves me, you know, and, and it doesn't matter, like, what I do or how I treat him or, or what, what decision I make, just God, God's love. Like, he's just going to love me anyway. Right? And, and we look at, if we just stop at knowledge, then literally, literally both of these truths about who God is, if you just, that's all you do is stop there, they can easily become an excuse to do nothing. All right, well, God's a judge, and he's just going to take me out anyway, so what's the point? Well, God is just all love, right? And he's just going to love me no matter what, so, so what's the point? Right? And it can easily just become an excuse, right, to do nothing if we stop at knowledge. See, but, but faith is more than knowledge. Again, you all exercise faith this morning okay, because you're sitting in a chair. Again, knowledge, right, is I can look at, at the, the engineering of the chair and the weight distribution and the, the, the science and the, the math and, and how it's going to hold me up, right? I can know all of that, right? But faith is actually sitting down in the chair, right, and believing the reality of what I hope for, right? I hope the chair is going to hold me up. Right? And it's the assurance of what I can't see, right? Of I know the engineering, I know the quality of the build, I know the mathematical equations, right? Kind of all of those things, right? And, and so, again, knowledge is the chair will hold me up, right? Faith is actually sitting down. Right? And when it comes to faith, especially faith in God, is it is way more than just knowledge. That we see in James 2. Um, 2, 19 and 20. It says, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear and terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I mean, he's making the point, right? He's like, okay, you can believe, right, and, and have knowledge, but until you apply that and trust it and, and actually use it, that's all it is, is knowledge. But he's like, even the demons know that God's real. <laughs> right? But they have no faith. Okay, faith is way bigger than knowledge. And if we say we have faith, right, just as this verse also implies, right, that how, how it moves beyond knowledge is, is with your actions. Right? How you apply that faith, right, to 
to everyday life, right? To, to your heart, to your attitudes, to your, to your perspectives, right? To your decisions, to, to all of those things, right? How do you use that knowledge, right? How did it become faith? And, and with that, those actions, faith grows, right? Faith grows with actions. He said how, how you do life, right? How the decisions you make, how you interact with different people, the words you use, Right, the perspective you have, in fact, you know, it's, in fact, when we look in Romans, it's exactly what this process is supposed to do, this transformation process, right? This faith journey is to change the way you think. Right? And when it changes the way you think and the perspective you have, and it affects your actions. All right, and that's how faith really grows, right? Because we have to apply faith, and we have to use it, right, for it to grow, and, and that's what shows that it really is faith, right? That I do have a, 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 I know what I hope for, and I have an assurance that it's actually going to happen, right? And so therefore, I live out that faith in my actions. James two fourteen through 17 says, what good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Because we see these, I mean, very clear and blunt words, right, by James, like we see not only the importance of faith, but, but the importance of applying it. Right? And that faith grows with your actions. And I will tell you the first action that you will take to grow your faith, once you know about Jesus and you know about God and you know about the scriptures, your first action you take is accepting him into your life as your savior. Because right? that's how we not just receive our salvation, but that's how we restore a relationship with God that's been broken by sin. In fact, that's, that's the default view, right? Is that, is that we're separated from God. Right? And, and that's not just right now. I mean, that's, like, that's for eternity. Right? Until we change it. Until we're restored to God, right? And that first step of that is, is praying and confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart and putting action behind that knowledge, right? And accepting Christ as your Savior and your Lord and receiving the Holy Spirit in your life. Again, I tell you, if, you, if you're here today for the first time, maybe you've been here for decades. <laughs> but if you haven't received Christ as your Savior and let him in, that's the first action for your faith to grow. It just as we read, right? It's not of works. I mean, that's not how, how we're saved. That's not how, how we, we receive Christ, right? The, the, the action is is submission to Christ, <laughs> inviting him in your life. And then the, to continue to grow your faith, right? For your faith to continue to grow, it's, it, it's committing, right, that I will continue to grow, that I will do whatever it takes to, to move forward in my, in my journey, right, for my faith to grow. I, I refuse to camp in my faith. I right? to say, nope, I've gone far enough. I'm good. Right? I'm just going to ride this one to the end. Right? We have to draw that line and say, and say no, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to continue to grow. Right? I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm going to change. I'm going to learn. I'm going to submit. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout victory. Right? I'm going to do whatever it takes to grow. 
right? Because I refuse to camp. Right? And we say, you know, again, face the first word. That's why journey is the second word, by the way. <laughs> right? Because we as a faith community refuse to be complacent. We refuse to camp in our faith. Right? It is going to grow. I'm going somewhere new with God. Right? And, and we see because faith grows with actions. Right? Faith way more than knowledge. And as we think about that, and, and as we continue to, you know, I can understand the biblical picture of what faith really is, we, we also learn that, that faith is what makes our relationship with God personal. Again, your faith is, is very personal, right? Your relationship with God, is, it's about you and God. It's not about, about a church or religion or, or a, a lifestyle, right? Or, or, or a p- political affiliation, right? Or anything else. It's about you and God. And, and, and faith is what makes that relationship with God incredibly personal. In Ephesians 3.12, it says, Because of Christ and your faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. It doesn't get more personal than that. It is about you and your heart and your relationship with God. Right? And it is by your faith right, in God and by the actions of Jesus as your Messiah right, that gives you the presence of God, and that's what we know as the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the only part of the Trinity that's active on earth today. Right? And when we feel God's presence, it's the Holy Spirit. When we see God move, it's the Holy Spirit. Right? When we see prayers answered and we see mountains moved and we see see anything from God, it's by the Holy Spirit. Right? And it's God's presence. And it does not get more personal than that. And faith, again, is what makes your relationship with God that personal. Okay, but I think as we see, again, this, the foundations, right, of, of everything that makes us us as followers of Jesus is faith. And, and yet, we learn these these foundational truths, but we also gain some warnings right, from Scripture about faith. Hey, we also learn in Scripture right, that faith can be misplaced. Hey, that, our, that our faith can be placed in places that it shouldn't go. Hey, and in fact, I sit down and ask you this question, and, and this is, I mean, this is a very serious question. Is your faith really in God, or is it in something else? Is your faith really in God? Or is it in, because if it's in anything else, it's misplaced. Right? If it's in a religion, if it's in a church, if it's in a person, if it's in a government, if it's in a political party, if it's in a lifestyle, if it's in anything other than God, it is misplaced. If it's in your church, if it's, especially if it's in your pastor, it's misplaced. Your faith is not in me. Your faith is in God. Your faith can be misplaced if it's in anything other than God. Galatians 3, 9, and 14 
It says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Faith can definitely be misplaced. If it's in anything other than God, it is misplaced. The next kind of warning we take is that faith will be tested. It will be tested. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. It says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. And even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. If your faith is not misplaced and it is truly in God, it, it's not an if, right? It's a when. Your faith will be tested. And again, I just stand here before you this morning and tell you it's been an incredibly tough week. Faith gets tested. And yet, when we look at this, we look at this verse, right, and saying, but we'll find pure joy. Right, because there's a place, right, when it says, when Christ is revealed to the whole world, you, we don't only need our faith, because at that point, it's not unseen, is it? Right, we stand before God, right, and enter into our heavenly journey. There's no faith involved in that anymore, right? It's not things unseen. Right, and, and yet, God in his graciousness, we've already looked at it earlier in the series, right? And his graciousness is waiting for that day, right? Because he wants as many people as possible to find faith in him. But that, that, that faith will be tested. And as we look at, through these warnings, through these foundations, through everything we see about faith, we think about how, how important is faith, how, how does it grow. And we see, again, bigger picture of faith is that it's lived out through discipleship. Right, it's lived out through an ongoing, active relationship with God that we fight for, that we journey in, right, that we submit to God's Spirit. We let God's Spirit move. That's how it's lived out. Right, that's how we pass the test. That's how we move forward. That's how we get refined. It's through those daily decisions, right? Those 
those moments when we're tempted to camp in our faith, say, you know what, maybe I've gone far enough. So when you say, no, Lord, I'm not, right, because I'm still here. So I haven't gone far enough. Right, you have more for me. Right, and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to fight. I'm going to take new ground, right, in God's name. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and, and ignore it. See, because the reality is our faith is an incredible testament of God's kindness. The fact that he, he does love us, but he is just. I think he wants the best for us. But there's a price to be paid. And God knew that price, right? And he paid it. And there's no higher price than the blood of Jesus. Right? He paid it. Right? And at the same time, again, for us to be transformed by his spirit, to move forward in our faith, it just gets down to those moments, right, when it's like, what really matters? Right? Am I committed to Jesus? Or am I not? Right? Is my faith going to affect every area of my life? Or is it not? Right, will my priority list be changed around in my life and in my schedule and in my finances and in my, my actions and all those things, or is it not? I beg you, as God's partner, don't receive your, just your salvation and then ignore it. Receive your faith. Receive your love and grace and mercy and discipline from our, from our Lord. And make it everything. Because there's so much in this world and so much that can pull us the other directions. Our faith is incredibly foundational. And we have a choice to make every day. Am I going to take my faith seriously? Right? Am I, am I going to grow? <laughs> am I going to submit? Am I going to be molded by his spirit, even when it's hard? I'm going to move forward, closer to my God, and fulfill everything he's called me to do. Again, I don't know where you're at in your journey. But I beg you, move closer to your creator today.
Final thought today is this, Matthew 17, verse 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible. Do we believe those words of Jesus today? I'll tell you, I do. I hope you do too. And I hope you'll move forward in your faith this morning. God, we come to you, and Lord, we... Lord, we thank you for your spirit, for your presence, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, for your victory. And God, this morning as we claim our faith in you, God, we ask that you would move mountains. God, we ask that you would do the impossible. God, we ask that you would increase our faith. Lord, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to move. Lord, I pray that Lord, the world would see our faith. Lord, and they would know that you're God. I continue to use us as your church, Lord, to shine your light, to grow and transform us, Lord, to build your kingdom. And God, I pray your continued presence, provision, and guidance, Lord, as we go this week and as we move forward through every decision, through every conversation, through every trial and every victory. We thank you for being with us. Guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.